Saturday morning, and welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estbrooks. I'm Tom Estbrook, your host. Another Saturday. Where do they keep going? September. Gone. Where did September go? Wonderful month. Beautiful weather. You know, a couple frosts in there. You know, but overall foliage really starting to come on and look beautiful out there now. Man, I love this time of year. You know, there's nothing like fall foliage. Uh, You just want to sit and look you know the beauty of those sunrise sunsets with the foliage and you know you have that nice sunny day and it's just stunning going through the mountains you know apple picking and donuts oh donuts yeah uh but you know we're still decorating too you know we got the mums and the cabbage and kale and the pumpkins and gourds and everybody's homes looking real festive now and i love that stuff you know it lasts all the way all the way in into thanksgiving and, you know, like I said, you know, it's just the perfect time of year. My my perennial gardens, I've got nipped by a little bit of frost in the past week, and I lost a few blossoms, but o- overall, everything really kind of looks pretty good still. I have gone ahead and cut back some stuff and started to clean up a few things and added a few new items, but for the most part, the gardening season's coming towards an end. Now, when I say that, I'm talking about you know, all the stuff I have in my garden. It's still time to plant, okay? Beautiful weekend this weekend. You know, we're going to have a whole bunch of things going on. Got a 40% off coupon. Go to our website off any one item. That's any item, okay? You know, anything, anything, anything. Uh, you know, if you like a nice piece of pottery or or uh, you've got some fall decorations you want, it it's anything, folks. So take advantage of that. But my vegetable garden's pretty much done. The only thing I really have left in my vegetable garden is some carrots and some beets that really, yeah, maybe, I think the scallions have kind of taken it pretty hard now. But all my tomatoes are done. They're all picked. They're indoors. Uh, you know, all my beans are gone. The frost got them. Uh, basil's gone. You know, I got a bunch of pesto. My wife made a bunch of pesto uh, last week before the frost. So we got that in and in the freezer so that we've got that for all winter. And, you know, overall, it's time to time to clean up, okay? It's time to pull those tomato cages. It's time to, you know, think about pulling all that debris out and adding it to the compost pile. If you're one of those folks that constantly is tilling in all of that, that's okay, too. You know, the one thing I will recommend is that if you've got a lot of materials that have a lot of problems with them, you know, a lot of disease issues, you may think about... Maybe not doing that. Um, more and more, I, I tend to feel like we're adding more and more to our soil when we do that. You know, so uh, lift all that foliage, get it out of there, add some new compost, till it in. You know, and kind of get that garden kind of back to square one and ready for next year. Uh, if you really at this point, I don't know if you have enough time for a cover crop, but you may be able to put some, you know, annual oats and them come up. Uh, but we're getting kind of late. It all depends on that whole beautiful fall Indian summer. If we have that, the likelihood you might have some time. And last but not least, you may want to do a soil sample. You know, check out that lime. You know, do you need to add some? Uh, What's your nutrient factor look like? So do that before you add compost or anything else. You know, go ahead, come into the garden center or contact your local extension office And they have kits. You can put some soil in it, send it off, and you'll get a test back. And and then come in and talk to your local independent garden center. These tests are wonderful. Very scientific. But 
kind of overboard in the same respect. You know, the tough thing is it's a one-size-fit-all test. And so there's a lot of information on there. You're probably never going to find the fertilizer that's exactly perfect to match your soil. So come in, talk to us. We'll get you close. Close is fine, folks. We we don't need to dial it into the nth, nth degree and, and, and be just perfect with our, our uh, soil test. But, you know, we do want to go ahead and get close, as close as we can. So, you know, think about that. Get that done, and even if you don't get a lot of that done, it will be good for spring. You'll know what you need to do. You'll know how to treat your soil uh, for the upcoming growing season. It, it's that time also to get your fall and winter uh, lawn fertilizer down. Now, I'm not recommending you fertilize plants, but your lawn fertilizer now is a good time, okay? So if you haven't fed in six or eight weeks, you know, now is the time to get that that last fertilization in what that really is doing is building root system okay strong roots we got strong grass for next year so you know think about putting that down if you have some bare spots you can overseed at this point uh will it completely germinate this fall maybe maybe not which is fine the grass will just sit there the seed will just sit there until spring and come up naturally so, you know, think about some of those areas maybe where you've had some a lot of crabgrass. You might consider putting down, you know, some of that unless you're going to use a crabgrass control in the spring. You know, if you're going to do that, then I would not recommend seeding, okay? Just don't think about seeding if you're going to make that choice to go ahead and do crabgrass control in the spring because it will not allow that seed to germinate, okay? So think about that. And last but not least on the lawns, Remember we talked a lot this past spring about snow mold, okay? All those big, huge piles sitting on our lawns and really having some major issues with just areas completely dying out. A lot of it was snow mold. Now, along the early spring, we were kept talking about infuse, okay? Well, this is the time that we want to treat for that snow mold with infuse. So think about it, okay? Those areas that you have a lot of problems. I've got a couple areas I pile a lot of snow. I'm going to treat those areas for snow mold and make sure that I don't have that fungal problem going into winter. Treating it in the fall will knock it out nine times out of ten, even though you pile the snow in that area. So it's a very simple thing. It's got a hose end. You just hook it up to your hose and just and away you go. Okay. The one thing I have been finding with some customers, though, is when using a hose end product, we've been having some problems with folks not having enough pressure in their hose in order for them to work properly. So, you know, consider that if you've got to go a long distance, you might want to go ahead and do something different, okay? You may want to buy the concentrate, mix it, and water it in, okay? So, snow mold, something to take care of. We're at that. We have a little time, next few weeks, but get that down sooner than later. Have you purchased your bulbs yet? That's the other thing, okay? Bulb sales have been very hot and heavy. Availability is getting lower and lower day by day, okay? Do it this weekend. I'm not saying plant them this weekend. I'm saying purchase them. Put them in a nice brown paper bag. Put them in the closet. Put them in a cool, dark place. Now, when you do that, you've got to put a reminder in your phone or on the calendar or whatnot because... Nine times out of ten, and I've done this before, you buy them, you put them in the closet, and the weeks go by. And next thing you know, it's Thanksgiving. And you're like, oh, 
You know, you go for that that pan for your turkey, you know, and there's the bulbs. You know, <laughs> you know, one of those scenarios where oh no. <laughs> so, make a reminder. The nice part about all these smartphones is you can put stuff right in the palm of your hand as reminders. You know, you can just put it in your calendar and a reminder will pop up, you know, do it a couple days before a weekend that a reminder will pop up or whatnot. And you go, oh, yeah, I need to do that this weekend. Or you can do it some evening after work. Don't think you have to plant a thousand bulbs in one day. Plant four or five packages a night. Go out, do a little project and then walk away. Go out and do a little project and then walk away. It's much better and much more in tune with making sure that you're happy with gardening. Then I I always, these poor customers that will buy all these bulbs and then they try to do it all in one day. That is a killer, folks. Bulbs are beautiful in the spring, but they're not meant to kill you in the fall. Okay. So make sure and kind of stage it out. Okay. There's absolutely no reason you have to do it all at once. Now, when you're putting your bulbs in the ground, you want to use two different products, okay? You want to use some bulb tone, and you want to use some soil perfector, okay? Now, why do we want to use this ceramic soil perfector? This is the best part about this product, is all those moles and voles that you have in your yard will not tunnel through this stuff, okay? Now, so how do I do that? Okay, so you dig your hole, and when I... We talked about this over the last couple weeks. When I plant bulbs, I just take a packet and I throw it on the ground. Wherever they land, that's where I plant them. If it's close to a perennial, it's close to a shrub. If it's farther away, that's where I plant them. I hate ducks in a row. I'm not a real formal guy. Now, there is a use for that, okay? Formal gardens, yes, you take a more regimented look and all that. Most of our gardens here in Maine are more naturalized. So... What I do is I actually dig kind of a, a a shallow hole instead of digging each individual, and then I toss them in the hole, okay? And where they land, they land. Before I do that, though, I mix in that soil perfector below ground, okay? Because that's where the bulb's going to live. So two or three inches below, I mix a few handfuls of the soil perfector in. And what that does is it protects below the bulb, and then I mix some with the, the product I've taken out of the hole, and then I backfill with that. Now, if you're doing each individual hole, it's tougher to do this because the rodents can get right up to the bulb. And, it, you know, if you're using one of these bulb planters, which is like a, a three to four inch round, you know, circle, and that's all you're taking out, okay, six or eight inches deep. The tough part about that is... You mix some with whatever comes out, you put some underneath, you put some on top, but there's nothing on the sides. So that rodent can come in from the side. So think about that, how you're planting, what your technique is. And by doing this, you're just giving yourself extra protection. And also the benefit of this soil perfector is that it helps with drainage. Our number one problem when planting bulbs is that they do not drain and then they rot. So if you have really heavy soil, this is a great way to break up clay also. So all good things come to those who plant bulbs when you use Soil Perfector, okay? It really does help. So enough plug on that. I am a big fan of it. I really like it because I've got heavier soil. The people that I sell it to time and time again come back and say, wow, what a great product that is. And that's really a telltale story 
I have a, a wonderful friend of mine that has a vegetable garden, and you know her vegetable garden was really struggling for a number of years, and it just was too heavy a soil. You know, vegetables like a fairly loose soil so they can get those root systems down there. And we started using Soil Perfector, and she's been adding one bag, which covers about 100 square feet, uh, a year for two or three years. And her soil is immaculate now. She's also been adding some compost at the same time. So with the organic matter and the Soil Perfector, she's just got this soil substrate that the roots just blow down through and good nutrients. And the yield, she's getting better yield than I am. I mean, it's just amazing. So, okay, enough about that. But now it's really important to get the mouse magic down. Okay, now is the time. If you did it a month ago or two or three weeks ago, remember you got to do it once a month for three or four months. Okay, so now's the time when we're cold enough now. The mice are trying to find a home. They're, they're done. Okay, they're looking, they're looking hard. Okay, put some in the wood pile. Put some in the garage. Put some in the basement. You know, there's four packages in one of those little packets pick up two or three of the packets. They're reasonably enough. So you have them. Okay. And then again, mark it on the calendar. Oh, I got to change the mouse magic out. If you do this, it works, folks. You know, and let's face it, we don't really want to use all the other products if we can help it. You know, there's nothing worse than a dead mouse in the wall. It smells for weeks in the house. It's nothing worse. You know, so if we can repel them out of the house and not have them, perfect. Done deal. Thank you. Sign me up every day. Okay? Last but not least, in the fall, here we are. We're on the cusp of a whole heck of a lot of leaves and organic matter from our gardens and all that. Now's the time to think about getting that compost pile ready to accept all of this stuff. Okay? So, getting some compost accelerator in the compost pile, turning it a few times, getting that heat building before we add a bunch of new stuff... So if you haven't been turning it all summer, let's put some accelerator in, get it activated, get it going with all the old stuff, and then we take the old stuff and add it to the new stuff. All those microbes in that old pile will break down all of that other material you're going to add. And I always get this question, should I mow my leaves? Should I bag my leaves? Should I just take them over in a tarp? What, what's the best route? Here's my general thought on that. If you have a bag mulcher, you know, on your lawnmower, anytime you can break down that so, that that leaf matter, it's going to be even quicker, okay? So think of it in that terms. If you've got your whole leaves, it's going to take longer. If you can pile them and let them dry out a little bit, that doesn't hurt either. But moisture in a compost pile is not a bad thing. So if you're just weakly raking up your leaves and adding them to the compost pile, the number one thing you can do is just take that old compost and throw it right on top. Get those microbes working with it and really kind of add some of that organic matter that you've already got activated, okay? All those microbes are just going to go to town. They're going to start breaking everything down. So turn it a few times each week and, you know, get things ready to rock and roll, okay? I know it's cold, it's getting colder out, but we're still having those beautiful warm days. You know, 60s, 70s, maybe pushing 80 inland once in a while, you know. But absolutely perfect time to get that compost going. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk, WLOB.
Can you feel the change coming? Leaves will turn, sweaters will be rediscovered, and autumn will be upon us. Get a jump start on the season with a kaleidoscope of fall color from Estabrooks. Mix and match the texture of cabbage and kale or beauty of fall garden mums with other fall favorites and warm your home as the temperature cools. Winter will be here soon, so make this a fall to hold on to. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Was your garden all it could be this season? The gardening season may be winding down, but that doesn't mean you can't start looking forward to next year with a visit to Estabrooks. Plus, with plenty of fresh plants still arriving, you won't be picking through spring leftovers. Visit Estabrooks in Yarmouth or Kennebunk and on the web at estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook on another beautiful Saturday. You know, we're, we've been pretty fortunate with the weather. You know, uh, last weekend, a little gloomy, you know, but great gardening weather, get great weather to get outside, you know, and cooler temperatures over the last week or so, you know, but it's fall, okay? The foliage is just amazing. I love this time of year and the transition to fall to winter. Now, I don't love winter. Who does? But it's part of the game here in Maine. I love seasonal change, okay? I love the fact that everything changes in the fall and all the glory. And it's always important to me to look around your neighborhood. Okay, and look at the wonderful plants that are out there and take a look at those fall colors because this is another element to your garden. Okay, this is the show at the end of the season. Okay, when we have all those time frames in the summer months where it's like, oh, I got to water and oh, I've got to work. There's no work in fall when it comes to color, all the work is done by the plants and how we arrange them and how we make them look really is how your yard blossoms in the fall. So all of those things I talk about all season long, about texture, about form, about all, those all start to come into play in fall. I, I know all of our yards are fairly spring-heavy when I, I say blossoming, okay? Because if you think about it, most of you are in the garden center in the spring. And so you're constantly buying things, you know, that look good, and you're adding some stuff in the summer. But fall is a time where you should be gardening as much, if not more, 
then spring. Okay, I do most of my gardening in the fall. Okay, number one, it's cool. I feel like getting out there and doing something. Okay, I can work in jeans and I can dig all day and I can play in the dirt and I don't feel like I'm a sticky mess. Okay, now, yeah, there's some hot days, but pick your mornings, pick your afternoons. There's a nice breeze. You know, it's a fun time of year to work in the garden. The other thing is, in the fall, you get to see fall foliage in the garden center. Okay, and you also get to see fall foliage in everyone else's garden. So, why do I bring this up? The reason I bring this up is you will not be able to find every plant in a garden center in the fall because many things we can't buy from suppliers that are local, okay, that are a quick turnaround. And also your bigger material, we can't always dig it in the fall. So, this is when you start your list, your wish list for next year. Thinking of, oh, wouldn't an orange plant look great right here next to these yellows and greens? And, oh, I need an orange plant for fall foliage. Oh, I need a red plant here. Oh, bronze would be really nice. Oh, purple. Purple over here. Do it in a color way. Not necessarily a specific plant. Start off with the colors. Then from there, you can dial it down into what's the right size plant. And then to what plant you need. Is it shrub form? Is it tree form? That's how I make my choices for fall. Okay? I don't start off with, ah, I really would like this particular plant. I start with the color first. Then I go to form then function, and then I start thinking about all the other attributes that I would have it during that rest of the year. Winter, okay, what's the form like? Spring, is it going to flower in the spring or summer? Okay, uh, is the bark interesting? All of those things kind of start to come into play. And those are the questions that you should be thinking about when you're choosing plants, okay? Now, this becomes more and more crucial for the off-season, and I say fall is partly an off-season, winter is definitely an off-season, and early spring is an off-season, okay? Everything you do for those three seasons is what makes your garden stellar. Not beautiful, stellar in the summer and early and late spring, okay? All those functions come together in a beautiful array of colors, flowering, non-flowering, textures, and then fall foliage, okay? So I can't say enough how this planning in the off-season goes. Every day I drive into my driveway, I think about what do I need for structure at this time of year? What do I need for color later on in the, in the spring and summer? I'm thinking about all of those things. So here's a great question from a customer. Can you go through the steps to protect newly planted trees and shrubs I planted this fall? I have some Japanese maple, boxwood, rhododendron, spirea, lilacs, itea, and viburnum, and a whole host of assorted perennials. We did a wonderful project from you, and I really want to make sure everything winters well. Okay, this is a great question because it kind of hits on a lot of things that I was just talking about. So... Let's just talk about some of these things because what they picked 
really, I would say, is a perfect mix for what I was talking about. So the Japanese maple, let's just go through some of these things. Awesome off-season structure, okay? Beautiful burgundy foliage all summer. Fall doesn't really change much, but it's that burgundy I was talking about. Okay, that shows off with the yellows and the oranges. It gives you more contrast. So we've hit three out of the four things. No blossom to it, but three out of the four is enough, okay, to make other things look even better. Boxwood, really simple. Green. Green shows off and makes all of your other colors better. It also gives us winter interest. Okay, so we've got something that we can put the lights on if we want to. We also have something that holds up well in the winter, and we also have color and texture. And green is a color, folks. Okay, it's one of the most important colors in order for other things to look more vivid. It's the thing that we overlook the most when it comes to gardening in the summer. Okay, it's the backbone of the garden in the off season, but it makes everything else look better in the summer. Okay, green is a color, okay, that absolutely is a mainstay in the garden year-round, okay? Rhododendrons, okay, so early spring, different type of, of evergreen, okay? Um, great structure, okay? The boxwood's tight, small leaf. Rhododendrons, big leaf, big structure, heavy wood. Again, off-season, big buds in the off-season too. You know, we like that. Spirea, wispy, light brown stems, bloom multiple times in the year if pruned right, excellent yellow fall color, yellow or even orange, depending on the variety. Lilacs, lilacs, beautiful spring bloom, nice dark foliage all summer if fertilized properly, and a fabulous yellow fall color sometimes even a more kind of orangey red. I have one variety I've planted this year, and it was a return by a customer. Uh, You know, unfortunately, sometimes plants get mistagged at our nurseries, and they're not the color that the customer wanted. So this customer brought it back. We always take back plants that are not named right or tagged right from our suppliers. You're buying it in good faith that it's that color or that variety, and if it's not, no problem. Bring it back. We'll gladly give you something else. So I took this lilac home, and man, what a beautiful, beautiful kind of pinky purple the foliage is. Now, every lilac will be a little bit different foliage-wise, depending on your pH and and a whole bunch of host of things. But this one's, I'm really excited because it's a beautiful fall foliage. And I don't even know what variety it is. It's just a beautiful purple. I said, you know what, I'm taking it home. I can't sell it to somebody else. I'm just going to take it home. Itia. Anybody know what this plant is? Virginia Sweet Spire. Beautiful summer flower. Kind of looks like a clethra, you know, a flower, but brilliant orange-red fall color. Now, Itea is what I call an elevator plant. This is one thing we'll talk about when we, when we talk about the, how to protect some of these things. Itea is a wet-loving plant, okay, so it likes really moist soil, and it tends to die back quite a bit. So it's an elevator plant. It'll grow up, and it'll die back. It'll grow up, and it'll die back, okay? But Itea is a special plant. Little sweet spire, flowers, white all over it. But the fall color on this plant is a knockout. 
Okay, orange, red, stunning, one of my favorites. There's some in the garden center now, and I just shake my head. You know, I've hit that number. I'm not supposed to plant anything else this fall, but I keep going by this plant going, oh, these three of those look really good over there. They look really good over there. So I don't know. It's still up to interpretation at this point. Um, Viburnum, great spring, brilliant red-orange fall color, big grower, Great winter branching and structure. So they've hit on a lot of these things. Well, let's talk about how we can protect all of this, okay? Because we, our biggest concern is how do we get these through the winters, get them established, and then they just do fine here. So Japanese maple, um, the first thing with Japanese maples, we want to make sure they go moist going into fall. Okay. A lot of times what we'll see is we'll see the leaves start to drop and then all of a sudden we just stop watering them. So keep watering all of these things up into the first week of November. Okay. That's the first thing. Water is always the most crucial thing. We don't want to freeze or burn our root system. So having moisture around those roots is important. If they're dry, we can freeze or burn. You know, kind of if you think about those archaic things you have in your freezer and all that ice crystals and all, ugh. Nasty. We don't want that with our plants. Okay, just have that picture in your head. I know I'm painting a really scary picture right now. But that's what water will do. It will help alleviate all of those things. Okay? So Japanese maple, the big thing I would say is protect it from wind however you can. Okay? Now, do I recommend you necessarily wrap the plant or do any of that? Not particularly. But what I usually tell people is put some stakes in the ground and put four feet of burlap around the plant on some stakes. That will just shelter the bottom four feet, okay? And what I'm really allowing, wanting to do is to protect the bottom of the plant. If we get a little tip die back, I'm not worried about that, okay? That can be common in Japanese maples. Not a big concern for me. The reason I say that is as long as the body of the plant lives, and we get it established, then we will have a beautiful structured plant for a long, long time. Okay. Now, boxwoods and rhododendrons, we're going to treat them the same way. We're going to spray them with wilt-proof a couple times this fall, and we're going to do the same thing if we need to. Okay. Now, the wilt-proof will do a pretty good job. If you're in an area that you're very windy, again, the four stakes with some burlap around it. Any exposed windy conditions, that's what I recommend. You can put structures over them, teepees and and all of those things too. Just remember, always keep anything from touching the plant. I don't want burlap on the plant because that sun hits on the burlap, warms up the burlap, and it burns the plant underneath. Now, does that always happen? No. But if we get a severe warm-up, that's what will happen. And it could be a severe warm-up in February that it happens, and you don't see the signs till April or May, okay? Spirea, lilacs, and viburnum, we're not going to do a darn thing but water. They're going to drop their leaves. We're just going to clean up all their, their leaves from the season, and we're just going to let them do their thing. Again, water all the way in. Now, itea, okay? This is one that likes to stay moist, so we need extra water in this one. And... Again, that burlap factor is important for me on this plant. I would do that regardless, okay? So four stakes or three stakes in the ground, burlap around it. 
and that's protection from wind. Because it is an elevator plant, because it is prone to dieback, we want to protect from the wind. Okay? Always important. Now, if it dies back, is the plant dead? No. This, the, the great part about this plant is that it sprouts from the ground. So first thing in the spring, if it's all dead, you know, you're starting to get some green leaves on some of the branches. We're just going to prune it down like a perennial, and it'll pop right out of the ground. We'll give it some nice plant tone, and we'll explode with growth and have beautiful flowers later in the summer. Okay, so easy plant. Now, all those assorted perennials, okay, there is not a lot we're going to do. I'm assuming you've mulched all your, all your gardens well. Maybe I shouldn't. But if you haven't done that, mulching is very important for all of these things. Okay, so big thing with perennials. Do not put mulch in the crowns of the plants. Leave those open crowns. And when I say crown, that center of the, of the plant where it grows out, don't put bark mulch over the top of that. Okay, 90% of the perennials we sell will come back regardless, not having a lot of extra things done. Come in, talk to us about which ones you can prune back and which ones you can't. Maybe you have some tree peonies. We don't want to prune those. So depending on the type of plants, it will dictate exactly. But talk to your local garden center about how to treat each individual perennial. For the most part, we cut all of them back. Discard all that dead matter. Make sure to take away all the disease stuff you can. And then next spring, you'll have an abundance of beautiful stuff come up. Now, on that last watering that first week in November, we're going to put down some dormant feed, some plant tone, some holly tone, depending on what you have, and that's going to wrap everything up for the season, okay? Big, big thing, okay? Get your stakes in the ground before the ground freezes. A lot of times you'll go to do the stakes and the burlap and all of that the first week in November and the ground's frozen. So put the stakes in the ground before the ground freezes. You don't have to put the burlap up. But just put those stakes in, okay? Always keep that in mind. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. For over 60 years, Wiltproof has provided the most effective protection against moisture loss in plants under water stress, and no other product comes close. Our non-hazardous, organic, and biodegradable film is like having several layers of protection. As the outside layer of Wiltproof wears off with the weather, another layer forms. Wiltproof is the only horticulture anti-transparent that has the ability to provide this long-lasting protection. Put your trust in Wiltproof. Check out their site at wiltproof.com. That's wilt-proof.com. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook on another delightful Saturday. And, you know, it's the 27th. 27th of September. Gone. Where has the whole summer gone? I just can't believe how quickly the season has gone this year. It's been a wonderful growing season. And at just before the break, I was talking about fall fertilizing a little bit. And I wanted to elaborate a little bit more on that because... It's always kind of, you know, tough for people. They want to fertilize. They want to fall fertilize, but they just get excited about doing it too early. Okay? So it's like one of the last steps you do in the garden before you're you're done, done. 
So, you know, now you're starting to prune things back and clean things up and really kind of, you know, pull your garden back to tighten things up and kind of just get everything to dormancy at this point. You know, so the perennials and 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 some of those shrubs you're starting to think about pruning, just hold off, okay? There's no hurry. The big thing is when you're doing your final put to bed, Usually, last week of October, first week of November is when I usually think, okay, you know, once we start to get a crust of frost in the ground, you know, so if you go out and it's mid-October and, you know, things are freezing up pretty good, you can start a little earlier. But for the most part, that's the time when I think of fall fertilizing, okay, which is borderline probably thinking more winter than anything, okay, so it's a really late fall, winter feeding, okay? Now, as I talked about in the beginning of the show, the grass you want to do now, okay? So that's what kind of starts to confuse people because you do want to put it on the grass to get a little bit more root development when the temperatures are warm, and that's all we're doing on the grass is root development, okay? It will push some top growth, but because of the temperatures, you're not going to have a lot more growth because of it, okay? But your plant tone, your holly tone, that late fall fertilizing, you know, again, last week October, first week in November, if it's really warm going into November, we'll wait another week. It's not going to kill us. But when you're in the garden center picking up your bulbs and all of that stuff, think about picking it up, even though you're not going to use it. Because let's face it, another trip in November to the garden center, that's a pain, you know, there's no plants left to do anything with. You know, the Christmas stuff has I just said it, Christmas stuff, didn't I? Yeah. Next week we're going to be talking a little bit about Christmas, I know. <laughs> and speaking of Christmas, I'm going to kind of shift gears because I love this. This is the time of year. Get your Christmas lights down. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm going to warn you next week, I'm going to talk a lot more about Christmas lights. I know, it sounds really weird, but... Just think about it. It's warm now. Okay, so get them down out of the attic where you store them on that nice warm day. You can test them in the garage. You know, there's a nice breeze. It's 65 degrees. You know, oh, we need to pick up some new strings. We can toss the old stuff. I'll get more into that later. (laughs) So fall fertilizing, I think we covered that. You know, I'll talk more about it when it's more timely also. But pick it up when you're in the garden center so you don't have to make an extra trip. Here's another question which kind of ties into what we just talked about. How late in the fall should I water? I'm leaving Columbus Day weekend for the winter, and I want my plants to do very well this fall. I always take your recommendations, and things seem to winter fine. This is a new situation for me. I'm spending the winter in Florida for the first time and concerned that I can't water as late as I normally do. Also, the water would be turned off to our new summer home just after Columbus Day weekend. What should I do? Are you truly concerned or should I have some other method of watering? Now, that's a good conscientious customer. You know, I mean, you're really taking to heart. You want your plants to do well. Let's face it. You're in, you're in a spot where you're just going to have to do the best you can. And sometimes that's what we can do with gardening. 
Okay. There's no rhyme or rule exactly, you know, but here's my general thoughts. So you're not going to have a water source after Columbus Day weekend, basically. So of course we could do some sort of rain barrel or we could do something, you know, fill up some barrels that we could take some buckets out of if we needed to or whatnot. Though, I'm not sure it's going to be completely necessary. And I say that because you know your situation. So here's what we'll do. The week before you leave, we're going to be very aggressive about watering, almost overwatering. And the reason I say that is we want to get the ground saturated all around the plants. So it's not just the hole in which you plant it in. Okay, so this is the scenario. The week before, we're going to water every day on the heavy side. We're going to get the ground extremely saturated, and you'll be fine. Okay, now certain plants may not like that. So talk to your garden center, ask them exactly what. You should water extra, what you may want to, you know, not. The other thing is, if you need to do some of those protecting things, like putting the stakes in the ground in the burlap, that will also shade some of those plants. So if you have some rhododendrons and some boxwoods and some of those things you're going to protect for the winter or have somebody do it after you're gone, that will also shade the plants. Shading the plants, they won't need as much water, and you'll be just fine, okay? So I hope that helps. It's a case where we do the best we can with what we have, okay? And I say that exactly the same way. If it looks like it gets super warm, which is not typically likely, and if it's a day or two, we're going to have plenty of moisture. There's going to be some rainstorms that come through. You're going to be just fine, okay? So don't get caught up in all the minor details. It'll be okay. It's not ideal, but you want to want all of your plants are going to do just fine. I'm sure you've been doing a great job all summer watering just by that question. I can tell that, okay, and caring for your plants. So I hope that helps. Um, You know, it's one of those things that uh, when customers get really caught on, I have to do it exactly the way it says in the book. Plants are living things just like all of us. You know, sometimes gain a few pounds, sometimes we lose a few pounds plants are going to act the same way, okay? So don't get caught up in it. It has to be this exact way. Adjust, 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 okay? Your plants are going to tell you what they need. You just need to adjust along the way, okay? So here's another great question, okay? And this one keeps kind of coming up. I have fleas in my house. Do you have good way of getting rid of them in the home? I know it's different than out in the garden, but Do you have any recommendations for indoors? This is a tough one because most of the products that we sell are scheduled, you know, are are registered for plants. They don't talk about fleas. They talk about ticks, but ticks are outdoors. So are fleas. So I want to back up a couple, a little bit, because there's a few things I would recommend you do. Number one, let's start outdoors. I, I assume you have animals. Because you've got fleas, you know, so you've got dogs or cats or some other animal that has fleas that's bringing them in. So we can first start out in the yard. You know, we can start during the summer months doing some applications, you know, for ticks, you know, spiders, ants, all of those lovely creepy crawlies out there will take care of fleas also. 
okay? So your product like 8 or any Premrethrins would knock out all of that. It also would knock out the mosquitoes. So when we talk about some of these things, we want to talk about, okay, how can we get rid of the ticks, which, are, you know, Lyme disease is a concern. How can we get rid of the mosquitoes because, well, West Nile is around. Has Is it diagnosed everywhere? No, but it has shown up in southern Maine. And at, for doing those other things, you're going to knock out the fleas also, okay? Now, but that's outdoors, okay? You have them inside. Now, when we get inside, it's a little bit more of a concern for me. It's directly in our wheelhouse for our environment. We prepare food. We prepare, we sit on our couch. We, you know, lay on our rugs. You know, it's it's an environment that we have to be very careful about. And I don't get into recommending inside. Okay. And the reason being is it's a concern for me, for me. You can go online and get a ton of information. But what I'll tell you is when I have a problem inside, I go to the professionals. I go to the exterminators of the world. They are licensed and registered and all of that. I had a bad carpenter ant problem in my house when I first bought it. Didn't realize it until it was midsummer. Had them come in, safe products, taking care of it. Boom, done. I think that's the same concern I would have in doing something over the counter. Now, with that being said, one product that does work indoors that we do have is diatomaceous earth. Okay? It's organic. It's food grade. You could eat this with a spoon if you really wanted to. I wouldn't recommend it. Not recommending that. But diatomaceous earth you can use as a dust and you dust your all of your um, rugs just like you use a deodorizer, and then you vacuum it up. Now, here's a tip. Most of us don't, let me, how do I politically correct say this, empty our vacuum bags very often. Well, what do you think? We vacuum up all these lovely insects, and then they sit in the bag. Well, you don't think they find a way to get out of that bag? So think about it in these terms. You're going to dust the whole area. Now, when I say dust it, you've really got to get, move your furniture. You've got to do everywhere. Now, what does the silica do? It does, they don't like to crawl across it. So what I usually tell people is do a room and then let it sit for a while and then vacuum it up later, okay? Now, is it messy? Is it a lot of work? Yes, but it's really an organic way to try to break the cycle, okay? You need to do this a few times over a month because obviously fleas lay eggs and they keep hatching, okay? You're not going to get the eggs, okay, because they they don't crawl anywhere. <laughs> so think about it when you think about fleas, that might be an option, but I still think I would also talk to a professional. Talk to your vet. You know, there's these bombs and all these other things. I've found a lot of people are saying those don't work. You know, they're resistant or whatnot. So talk to your vet. Talk to your exterminator. Maybe the diatomaceous earth is something you look at. But we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Can you feel the change coming? Leaves will turn, sweaters will be rediscovered, and autumn will be upon us. 
Get a jump start on the season with a kaleidoscope of fall color from Estabrooks. Mix and match the texture of cabbage and kale or beauty of fall garden mums with other fall favorites and warm your home as the temperature cools. Winter will be here soon, so make this a fall to hold on to. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. News, sports, and weather are all just a tap away on your smartphone. Now, the gardening expertise of Estabrooks is too. With the Estabrooks mobile app for your Apple or Android device, you can earn rewards with each visit, browse thousands of plant photos and descriptions, and get answers to your gardening questions all in one place. Plus, don't miss out on exclusive in-app deals you won't find anywhere else. Visit your mobile marketplace to download the app today. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, and we were just talking fleas. Pesky little things they are. With two new puppies, it is something that I am dealing with a little bit. Now, we haven't had much of a problem. More than anything, they're just scratching because they're puppies and whatnot, but I can see it being an issue. And, you know, in thinking about my yard and what we do, you know, with the mosquito and tick sprays. We haven't had hardly any problems with ticks, which has been wonderful. Um, We really have cleaned up that problem in our yard. But fleas are always a concern. I have a sandy soil, perfect conditions. And uh, next year will be interesting to see how that kind of works out. But I think the fight for fleas starts outside. And that's why I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about that, is that if you have a clean environment outside and knock some of these problems outside, you're going to have much, much less of a problem indoors. Now, if you have a cat that strolls all over the place, I have a yard where I have an electric fence for our dogs. You know, it's very defined. I have 18 acres, but the area in which the pets are in are the same area I treat for, you know, mosquitoes and and ticks and all of that where we're using the yard. Now, you might be out there thinking, oh, man, you're doing that and you have dogs and you have a well and all of the, you know, what's your concern with all of that? To be perfectly honest, you've got to pick your battles, okay, and what your concern is, okay? And for me, the ticks and all of those things are a major concern. You know, I work outdoors every day and, you know, Lyme disease is a real thing in my industry, and I like to protect myself from that. Mosquitoes. My wife is very sensitive to mosquito bites. It really irritates her, so it's a priority for her. So the fleas, obviously, we don't want to deal with that in the house. So we're killing three birds with one stone. So with one thing, I'm able to knock out a lot of different things. And it also takes care of the ants and other things that I have in my sandy soil. So you have to kind of weigh your options. Now, Is it a concern for us? Absolutely. When they come and spray for the next few days, even though it's safe after it's dry, we're going to take the dogs, throw them in the car, and go for a walk. Okay? We're just going to take and make adjustments to what we do and how we can be the most safe we possibly can and do it in the best manner we can. Okay, so that's what we'll do. We'll just throw the throw the pets in the car. We'll drive off site. We'll go have a good day, you know, or take them at the end of the evening or first thing in the morning and kind of get into that routine for a couple days. Okay, and so there's things that you can do to kind of safeguard some of that. Now, when you have an exterminator come in, you know, and they're in your home, you know, 
last time we had that, we set up a day where we we knew they were coming, and usually, you know, you need like four hours or something before you can go in. We just plan an event at one of our friends' house and spent the night. You know, so take those opportunities. If they say stay off it for four hours, give it 24 hours. If you're that concerned, just go above and beyond to take yourself out of that situation. And listen, I sell this stuff, folks. You know, I want to be as safe as possible also. And do I love to spray and do all these? No. But it's a fact of life that some of these things we have to keep in check. Okay. So fleas are going to be a major problem. Okay. Over the next few months. I've heard a lot of people having problems all summer. So now where we're going all into that environment and turning up the heat and creating all those situations, it's only going to get worse for a little bit. So follow that, like I said. Another Saturday, we're wrapping up, okay? Get out there and enjoy this weekend, okay? It's just a fabulous weekend. You know, go apple picking. Come to the Garden Center. Go to the Cumberland Fair that's wrapping up. You know, there's so many things to do. Take a drive and just look at the foliage, okay? I know it's not peaking yet, but just the first signs sometimes are even better than when it's in peak. You get all those green trees with a few beautiful gems out there. And again, go around to your neighborhood and take a look at all the things that are gems out there. Get out there, enjoy your garden, and have a great weekend. Thank you.